Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and talk about service. And I just ask that you fill every single heart here and may we all get it. It is says that this session is in your strength and for the glory of Jesus Christ and him only. Again, just bless us now and bless all our family, friends, and loved ones as well. May we have a high Sabbath for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're going to discuss the topic today of basic training to be a youth in mission. And I just want to say to you guys that God's word is amazing. Do you believe that? The Bible is amazing, and it's definitely the guidebook to our life. And so what we're going to do today is just delve into the Bible and glean some principles that we can apply to our lives. So for basic training, let's go to Matthew 6, 9 to 13. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 6, 9 to 13. All right. So Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Can anyone tell me what this is? This is the Lord's Prayer, right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the Lord's Prayer and draw out some principles. So first of all, let's start with Matthew 6, 9. So Matthew 6, 9. And it says, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven. So our Father in heaven. So basic training principle number one. God is our Father in heaven. So God is our Father in heaven. This is just basic. So I don't care if you guys are homosexuals. I don't care if you guys have switched genders. I don't care if anyone in here has had an abortion. I don't care if you have put a gun to your wife's head. I don't know if anyone's married in here. I don't care if you've committed sexual immorality. I don't care if you have a drug addiction, even right now. I don't care if you are a stealer, a thief. I don't care if you're full of pride and selfishness. I don't care right now if you feel depressed and feel worthless. Regardless of any of these things, if anyone is struggling with any of these things, you guys have a Father in Heaven, no matter what. Did you know that? You have a Father in Heaven, no matter what, if you're struggling with any of these things. And not just you have a Father in Heaven, you have a Father in Heaven that sent His Son to die for you, no matter what you have done. You have a Father in Heaven who will pick you up where you are at, fill you with the love of Jesus Christ, and change your life to overcome those things I just described. Amen? God is just that powerful. And so the first principle is you have a God in Heaven. That is your identity. The first building block for basic training is you have a Father in Heaven, your identity. And did you guys know that your identity then fuels your mission? Right? When you have an identity, that fuels your mission. For example, are you guys students right now? That's your identity. So what is your mission? To do well in school. If your identity is a nurse, what is your mission? To help people. If your identity is Christian, what is your mission? To spread the gospel and to share the love of Jesus Christ to others, correct? So basic training principle number one. God is your and our Father in heaven. Next, same verse, Matthew 6, 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So here's the second principle. Hallowed be God's name. Hallowed is a big word, isn't it? What does that actually mean? Basically, it means let God's name be glorified in your life. 
so God's name glorified in your life. Basically, God's ultimate mission is to bring you back into perfect communion with Him, correct? And then He will fill you and change your heart to serve others. Well, how does that actually happen? How does that actually happen? I suggest to you guys, for God's name to be hallowed in your life, you need to delve deeply into prayer, and you need to delve deeply into Bible study. So you need to delve deeply into prayer and also Bible study. I told you about a couple of individuals that are from the amazing continent of Africa. The first one is, I talked about him a little bit last seminar, Paul Ratsara. Paul Ratsara, who is the head of the Southern African Indian Ocean Division. He is definitely a man of prayer. He spends hours a day communing with God. Well, he tells this story of how his brother had actually left the church, and he was devastated by this. Here he is, the division president, and his brother is no longer attending church in Madagascar. What did he do? He fell on his knees and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. He didn't say anything to his brother. He just prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And the next time that he was in Madagascar, his brother met him at the airport, and God had changed his life. And he was back in a relationship with Jesus and back in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Is prayer powerful, guys? Amen. Amen. The other person I told you about was Golden Lapani. He literally spends hours of day in prayer and intercedes for people all over the world. And he sees mighty answers to prayer. It's really cool because he'll write me. He writes me when he gets these answers to prayer and let me know what's happening. For example, he wrote me a couple weeks ago and said, I prayed for this lady in South Africa and God healed her of her cancer. Amen? What a blessing. So we definitely need to commune with God in prayer. Several months ago, um, I went up to a conference in Canada, and I was supposed to do six seminars. So six seminars up in Edmonton, Alberta. To be honest, it had been a long week of teaching classes. It was in April, about the next to the last week of school. It was a long week of classes, and I was worn out. I think I was flying up on a Thursday, and I was rushing to get my seminars you know, ready, the final touches. And I had to fly all the way from Chattanooga to Edmonton. Well, when I got to Seattle to transfer planes, I got up to the gate. And I was flying up there with two other individuals who were speaking. And we got to the gate, and they were able to get on the plane just fine. And all of a sudden, when I got there, it was these loud buzzing noises. Bop, 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 bop. And I said, ah, what's happening? And um, come to find out, a robot had bumped me off the plane. That's what the airline said. A robot bumped me off the plane. And I said, oh, great, a robot. So when's the next flight? Nine hours. I said, ah, nine hours? Man, I'm going to be here for nine hours. So I didn't actually make it up there till like 3 or 4 in the morning. And I had to do three seminars the next day. I was wasted. And so I did those three seminars. God gave me strength. And it came to Sabbath, and I was burnt out. And on Sabbath afternoon, we had to choose either to go to the prayer room or go out on outreach. And I, was, I, I couldn't really talk to anybody at, at doors at that point because I was so tired. And so I said, I'll just go to the prayer room. And man, when I went to the prayer room, I just felt like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I walk in there. And everyone's kneeled on the ground, kind of laying down. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. I can just take a nap. <laughs> Anyways, I got to the prayer room, and we started praying. 
and we started praying, one hour passed. Like, wow, that hour went by really fast. Kept praying, kept praying, two hours passed. Whoa, what a blessing, I just feel lighter. Feels like God's really starting to really work in my life more right now. The burdens are just being lifted. Kept praying, kept praying, three hours passed. I had never prayed for three hours with people straight in my entire life. And I walked out of there and like the weight of the world was just off of my shoulders. What a blessing it is to pray, specifically to pray with other people. But the story I want to tell you is this. When I first got into the prayer room, I saw this tall, skinny girl that I'd seen her the whole conference and she kind of always sat near where I was. I was like, well, I wonder who she is. But she ended up going to the prayer room with me at the same time. When she got there, she just looked like death warmed over. She was just sad and forlorn, and she just looked sad, depressed, angry at life. And so we kept praying, and then I saw her brighten. We kept praying, I saw her brighten. We kept praying, I saw her brighten. And as we were praying, she started praying for her marriage to be restored. They had had problems, she and her husband, for several months, and he was at the conference too. Come to find out, they told their testimony on stage later that night, but they reconciled after she spent that entire time in the prayer room. And we had spent hours praying for the husband and her specifically, and now they were all happy and united in Jesus Christ. Prayer is powerful, guys. Prayer is powerful. This is the ultimate solution in life for sure. Another thing we need to do is, in addition to prayer, delve deep into Bible study. Have any of you guys ever read the Bible and you're just like, oh, that was so boring? Or you read it and you read like a couple verses and it just doesn't sink in and you're just not getting it? Okay, Bible study is so important. I, I spoke a little bit about this last time, but the first time the Bible actually came alive to me was when God got me out of my comfort zone and sent me to Costa Rica. Literally, I had hours by myself with a box of Raisin Bran eating raisins out of it. And the Bible became the word of God to my heart and to my soul. Guys, it was more exciting than any sitcom. It was more exciting than any movie. I was just enveloped in the love of God. The Bible is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces our heart to the core. But you have to spend that time with God, and you have to put away the distractions. Another thing that's important with Bible study, if it's really boring and not interesting, tell God that. Say, God, this is so boring. I want to be blessed. I want to know you more. Please help it actually to be interesting to me. Will he answer that prayer? Amen. Yes. So pray that, guys. We need to be spending time daily in prayer and Bible study. And when we do that, what happens to our lives? What'd you say? It becomes whole. You're absolutely right. He fills that thirst that we have, right? With the living water. And he transforms us. And then he can start to work through us in spite of us and bless other people, right? So such a blessing. And that's how God's name is hallowed in our life is by spending communion with him, and then he can use us to bless others in spite of ourselves. It's all in spite of ourselves. Next verse, Matthew 6:10. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. So the next principle, principle number three for basic training in youth and mission, is work 
for the advancement of God's kingdom. So work for the advancement of God's kingdom. I suggest to you guys, as you see that God is your father, as you see the importance of prayer and Bible study, your interests will start to change. That latest music, is that going to interest you anymore? No. That latest movie, is that going to be the thing that you're looking forward to the entire week? That relationship with the significant other that's pulling you away from Christ, is that going to be as attractive? No. He starts to will and act in you according to his good purpose through his power, correct? And I, w I suggest to you that things like going out and telling people about Jesus becomes exciting. The Great Commission becomes exciting. You know, go ye therefore to all the world, preaching, baptizing, etc. These things start to be exciting and become our passion. Is it because we made it that way? No, it's because Jesus Christ is working in us, in spite of us, as we commune with him. Such a beautiful thing. And then, whether you become a nurse, whether you become a doctor, whether you become a teacher, a musician, a farmer, your primary goal will to be to win souls for Jesus Christ. Have you seen this happen in other people's lives and even in your own? Let me tell you a story. So, wow, that's really close up. I'm sure Ricky would love that picture. So. This was my Bible work partner at Arise, Ricky Schwartz, and this is his beautiful wife, Stephanie, okay? So Ricky, he actually went to Southern. We were here the same time. Well, I didn't know it at the time, but he was an acrobat. He was a gymnast. He was so good that a few years later, he joined Cirque du Soleil. You guys know what that is? It's an acrobatic troupe that travels all over the world. They're phenomenal. He left Seventh-day Adventism, his relationship with God, and he was just trying to live his life with Cirque du Soleil, etc. However, as he was living and working in Las Vegas with Cirque du Soleil, God began to work on his heart, and I think it was because his daddy was praying for him. He began to work on his heart. He began to see the importance of the Bible. He began to see that he needed a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he ended up coming to Arise, becoming my Bible work partner, and today he's a youth pastor in California. It's just so amazing how God transformed lives upside down for his glory. It's just powerful. Um, another person, I don't have a picture, is Ezekiel Vasquez. He was the Bible work instructor when I attended Arise. Basically, when Ezekiel was a teenager, he was a punk. You can just ask him. He was an absolute punk. He was an atheist, pretty much. That doesn't make you a punk, but he was an atheist, and then he was not doing nice things. But his mom is one of the cutest little people I have ever met. I met her at Southern's graduation last May, and she was praying every day for Ezekiel. Little did he know, she was telling every pastor, every person who she could come in contact with, please pray for my son. Please pray for my son. And now, God answered her prayer, and Ezekiel is on fire for God. He's a youth pastor now in Alabama, and God has turned his life upside down for his glory. Such a powerful testimony. So next verse, Matthew 6.10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, God is starting to change your life. 
He's starting to change your life. Your interests are changing. And you want to be a youth in mission. And you want to follow God's will. And this is the next principle. Follow God's will. Any of you guys struggled with the question, well, what is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? No, no, no. Anyone struggle with that question? I know I have. I want to sh share with you guys just a couple of stories. So I suggest to you a way to find out God's will is to do four things, okay? First of all, you need to delve deeply into Bible study. So delve deeply into the Word of God, definitely. You need to be praying yourself and with other people to discern God's will. Next, you need a multitude of counselors. We're talking a multitude, not just your best friend, not just your boyfriend, but a multitude of godly counselors to consult with. And finally, and you need to be careful with this, but it does play a role, you need to look for God's providence. You need to look for his providence. Let me give you just two stories to kind of bear this out. So back in 2007, um, I was finishing up my second year teaching up at Atlantic Union College in Massachusetts. Um, every single year, at the end of the year, I prayed, God, what do you want me to do next? Do you want me to stay at AUC or do you want me to go? And so that year was coming to a close and I was really praying about it and studying my Bible. And my mom said one day, Minnie, I think you need to go back to school. And I said, really? Okay, yeah. So I thought PhD. <laughs> um, and so I applied to a PhD program and kept praying, kept studying the Bible, etc. And then my dad called me up one day and said, Minnie, I think you need to go to the Arise Institute. I said, what? Arise? What? No. <laughs> I have a job, you know, I have health insurance. I have benefits, I'm a professional person, I'm making money, why would I want to go to Arise? So I kept praying, kept praying, and that's school, isn't it? I naturally thought PhD, but Arise is definitely a school. Until one day, I got out of class notes from the previous semester. I was having an independent study with a student. And I remember as I was making up the notes from the previous semester, that I had put three quotes together and I didn't know why at the time. And I remember telling my class, I just really like these three quotes. They don't really go together, but I just wanted to share them with you that day. Okay, so fast forward next semester, I'm having an independent study. I re, I get out my notes and here are the three quotes that I saw right after my dad told me that I needed to go to Arise. The first one was this, where there is no active labor for others, Love wanes and faith grows dim. Okay, so I'm like, okay, labor for others, that's a good thing. The second quote was this, true higher education is studying and obeying the word of God. And I said, okay, the Bible, that's really important, so service, the Bible. And the third quote was, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Okay, so... Service, Bible, arise, shine. And that was like their theme text. And I'm like, okay, God, are you trying to tell me something? But I just, I didn't want to take just those three quotes together, right? So I kept praying and I kept like talking to people. And I decided to put in my application to arise to see what was going to happen. 
Well, I put in my application, it had been several weeks and I hadn't heard back from them and I was like, okay, I guess they don't want me. But I decided after a conversation with a friend on a Friday night, he said, Mindy, it took me a year to figure out what I was going to do next. I said, a year? He was just sitting at home for a year? I said, God, this can't happen. I've got to have a, no. And so the next Sunday after that conversation on Friday, I decided to have a special day of fasting and prayer to see where God was leading with this Arise situation. And so I've had a good prayer session and I turned on the TV and I only got 3ABN. And right when I turned on 3ABN, there was this older guy talking about how he had left his job and all these different things and gone to Arise. And I said, really? Oh, <laughs> really? And then I, at that second, I was kind of a little shaky, probably because I hadn't been eating too. And I went over to the computer and I checked my email and had gotten an email from Arise saying, we welcome your application, da, 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 da. So I said, okay, God, I'll go. <laughs> I wasn't horribly excited at this point, but I was going to go. I was going to do it. So let's fast forward about four months. I was at my parents' house and I was backing out of going to Arise. I said, mm, God, no, I, I think I should get a job. No, I don't need to go to Arise. I was kind of backing out. And so my parents were like, Mindy, let's get together. Sorry. Let's get together and let's pray about this and ask that you'll be encouraged. So the three of us knelt down on the couch and we prayed. And this was about 9.30 at night. And did you guys know that 50, and we asked for specific encouragement. I hadn't heard from Arise all summer again, since like May or April. Did you know 15 minutes later, the administrator, Randy Band, called me up out of the blue and said, hey, we're glad you're coming to Arise. Can I pray with you? Can I encourage you? And I was like, okay, God, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> you don't have to convince me anymore. I'll go. So another story. After I finished Arise, Again, I didn't know what to do with my life because it's about three and a half months. I'm like, God, what's your plan next? And so I went to a GYC seminar and I was walking around the booths just seeing what opportunities were out there. And as I was walking around praying, God, what do you want me to do next? Is there anything here that I could do? Someone randomly just shoved a flyer into my fist for this opportunity in Malawi, Africa. I said, oh, that looks interesting. And then I got a lot of other brochures, but I didn't think anything of it. So I went home and I started praying and I started looking through the information and ended up writing the Malawi opportunity. Well, they wrote me back after several days of fasting and prayer and Bible study and them contacting me, them contacting me, them contacting me. Within like a couple of weeks, I was in Malawi, Africa. So God's just amazing, and it was one of the biggest blessings of my life. Seriously, it opened my eyes to the world around us. So guys, to follow God's will, again, it's Bible study, it's prayer, multitude of counselors, and then look for those providential circumstances all together, not just one or the other, right? You've got to see how God's leading. So follow his will, and he can show you clearly. At other times, he'll give you a multitude of options and he gives you the wisdom to choose, right? And sometimes you just have to make a choice and then say, okay, God, if this is not what you want to happen, close the door. And that's happened to a couple students of mine in stories that they have shared with me. Next, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. So give us this day our daily bread. So principle number five is this. Ask God to provide for your daily needs 
and also for the needs of others. I love this quote that's found from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. It says this, When you have thus made God's service your first need, you may ask with confidence that your own needs may be supplied. If you have renounced self and given yourself to Christ, you are a member of the family of God and everything in the Father's house is for you. Does God provide for our needs as we're putting him first in our lives? Absolutely. He will provide for your needs. Just a couple of stories. Um, a friend of mine, it's actually, I know her husband better, but basically they were living up near Cleveland and they were living in an older house and come to find out that their house had become filled with mold. What happens when your house molds? Everything, you can get sick and everything gets ruined, right? That smell just gets in. Well, they were on fire for God. They had been serving God and they had to actually leave everything. Their clothes, their furniture, everything was just gone and they had to start over. Well, they were really praying about how God was going to provide for their needs and the girl had lost her entire wardrobe. Girls, would that be hard to lose your entire wardrobe because of mold? Well, they were really, really praying, and they were going to this church, and get this, there was a woman at the church who was this girl's friend, and she was a professional shopper. Have you heard of that before? Yeah. It's kind of fun. She was a professional shopper, and she shopped at some of the best stores. And so she said, hey, we're about the same size. Why don't I give you all of these clothes for free? And these were the nicest clothes that my friend had ever had in her entire life, and they were better so God just provides for our needs, right? I thought that was an amazing story. Another story is, um, okay, when I, was cons when I was going to Arise, I didn't have the money to go there. I was already in debt from grad school, and I didn't want to ask my parents for money because I was past that place in my life. And so I decided to sell my Jetta, the one that had run into the tree by itself, which I talked about last time. However, I had promised God several weeks before that from then on I was going to give him a certain percentage of my income for tithe and also as a thank offering, okay? So I'd made this commitment. However, when I decided to sell my Jetta, if I gave that amount, I still wasn't going to be able to pay for a rise. And so I pondered and I pondered and I said, hmm, maybe I should renege. <laughs> maybe God would understand because I'm going to a place to learn more about the Bible. However, God clearly impressed me not to renege and to still give him the amount that I had previously promised. And so I did. So the date for a rise starting was coming closer and closer and I didn't have all the money didn't have all the money. Every single day I would walk to the mailbox and just see, because I knew that story of Sandra, my student, and how she got this random check in the mail. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll do this now. <laughs> so I kept going to the mailbox, opening the every day, looking. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my sister, friends, no one, that I needed money to go to a rise. So a month went by and I was like getting a little worried. How am I going to pay for this? Did you guys know that within a few days of me going to Arise, two people, and I hadn't told anybody, gave me the exact amount of money that I'd given away? Exactly. Two people together, their combined, was what I'd given away. God provides for our needs 
when we put him first. Amen? Amen. Amen. A lot of times you're going to have to wait. And I'm not saying every time you give money, you're going to get it right back. That's not what I'm saying. But God provides for our needs. Another random little story. I was in Malawi, and I loved the carrots there. Do you guys like carrots? Anybody? Do you like organic carrots? Oh, they are the best. It's like eating dessert or candy. Just delicious. So I loved the carrots there, and the carrot man would actually come to my door and bring the carrots, and we did the transaction at the door. But he didn't come all that often. But one day, I had just finished eating, at that second, my last carrot, and I was like, man, God, it'd be really nice to have some more carrots. I'm just running out, and I don't know when I'm going to get some more. I heard a knock, knock, knock on the door. The carrot man was there. Would you like some carrots? I'm like, thank you, God. God is in the details. What a blessing to serve a God that's just so in the details of our lives. But this verse means more than just providing for our own needs. So let's read this quote. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we ask for who? Others as well as ourselves. And we acknowledge that what God gives us is not for ourselves alone. So basically, yes, we're to ask for God to provide our own needs, but are we supposed to care about the needs of others? Absolutely, definitely. A quick story that bears this out. Well, some important verses, which I'm going to go over just because of time, is Matthew 25. When you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to Jesus, right? As you feed the hungry, clothe the poor, set the oppressed free, etc. Let me tell you a story about Pirani. Such a sweet girl. So again, this was in Malawi. One day I was walking out from the hospital, and this young girl came up to me and just stopped me in the street and said, Hey, can we be friends? And I said, Sure, let's be friends. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so we became friends, and she became my translator at the hospital, and we would go around and pray with patients every day. Well, one day, we saw the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm not exaggerating. We walked into a room. This kid was in isolation. His name was Glad, which is ironic. We walked in. His eyes was oozing. His mouth was oozing. He was all puffy, and he just looked like he was knocking on death's door. It was so sad. So we started to pray, we started to pray, the doctors worked, and come to find out, their family didn't have any food to eat as they were taking care of him at the hospital. Did you guys know that in Africa, a lot of times, the patients don't get food from the hospital? So you can actually go to the hospital to get treated, and you can die of starvation. So you need your family to actually go with you to cook your meals and to take it to you in the hospital. So anyways, we found out, Pirani and I, that they didn't have any food. And I don't know what I was thinking that day. I wasn't thinking, and I just said, oh, you know, I don't know, let's pray. But Pirani was like, I'll bring you food. She's an orphan. I'll bring you food, and I'm like, boom. You know, conviction. It was such a great learning experience, and three times a day, she brought them food. And I definitely partnered with this endeavor after she, you know, the conviction sat in but we are called to share it with others. But when we do so, I suggest to you that we need to do it in a way that is sustainable. Um, Martina is here today, and this is actually 
her sister Petra, and her brother-in-law, Paul. And I was in Gimby Hospital with them, not this last summer, but the summer before, and I was really impressed how they gave to other people. So instead of just giving everyone, when missionaries come close, you know, they just had a plan. So what they did was when mission groups came, they would take all of the clothes, and then they would get all of the staff, and they would actually have a yard sale for a very cheap amount of money. It was a really organized system. And then the money that they got from the yard sale of all these donated clothes, they would throw a party for the staff. And the staff were just thrilled to be able to have a party, and it built camaraderie. So I suggest to you, yes, we need to give, but give wisely, right? Sustainably, and also try to do it through an organization that is established. Next verse, Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So principle number six, we are not perfect, nor are other people. Let's forgive and love each other just as Christ has forgiven us and loves us. I'm going to briefly go over this just because of time. It's getting close to 4 o'clock. But basically, when you guys are out and serving, is it a walk in the park? Are you going to have challenges? You're going to have challenges. And you're going to need to forgive yourself. And you're going to need to forgive other people. You're going to need the fruits of the Spirit in a way like you never have needed them before because you will see challenges. And I suggest you guys two of the biggest challenges that you will face are relationships with fellow workers, so relationships with fellow missionaries, and secondly, cross-cultural differences that you need to understand. I'm not going to get into the details right now of that because of time, but basically, you need the love of Jesus. You need humility, you need openness, you need acceptance. A lot of times, we as Americans are ethnocentric and we are arrogant. We go into a situation and we say, this is your problem, here's the solution, and I'm your savior, right? But we need to come in there with the fruits of the Spirit and come under others to serve, okay? Matthew 6:13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So final principle, principle number seven is deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. God is all powerful, amen? Is God all powerful? Amen. Jesus Christ has already won on the cross of Calvary. That's an amazing blessing. We just have to accept that into our own life. However, when you guys embark upon service, you're going to face challenges because we fight against not humans, but spiritual forces in dark places, right? There is an army of evil, and we need God, we need the Holy Spirit, and we need wisdom from on high to combat such situations. Let me describe to you just a few situations that you could experience as you serve. Number one, you can experience spiritual oppression, okay? You can experience spiritual oppression. I know of some missionaries that have seen things and seen dark forces as they're out in the field serving. That is a time when you need to humble yourself and pray and beg for God's divine intervention. And you need a group of people around you to support you, okay? 
that's just the reality, guys, especially when you go into the third world and where situations are very, the great controversy is on steroids out in the open, okay? It's not subtle. Another, other things you'll run into is pride. You'll run into depression. You'll run into stress. You'll run into loneliness. And you'll also run into issues of sexual immorality at times. I was serving in Ecuador for a summer, and I was with a human rights organization. And I had just come to a job. I was new. I was younger than I am now, so I was pretty young. And my boss was an interesting individual. When I first got there, he asked me, do you drink? I said, no. Do you smoke? No. Do you party? No. And he said, I'm going to get you to do all of that. And I said, no, you're not. Mm -mm. You're not going to get me to do that. And then he said he wanted to take me on these trips around the country. And I was thinking, hmm, maybe that's not a good idea for me. And he was old. He was like 60. And so I was like, maybe that's not a good idea. And then one day, it was just me in the office, and he went under the table and started grabbing my feet. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? And I ran from the office, and I went home and up to my house that I was staying in Ecuador. And for the rest of the evening, I'm like, should I go back to work tomorrow? <laughs> what do you guys think? Should I? No. So I actually got in a car to actually start to go to work, but then I saw the airport. And I'm like, oh, the airport. I wonder if I could just change my ticket. And so I didn't go to work. I went to the airport, changed my ticket, and got out of there. Sometimes you just need to run. You don't need to be in a situation like that. I mean, this guy was fat. He was 60 years old. I mean, this was easy to run. But it can be more subtle a lot of times. And we've got to flee from such temptations. And I'm serious, guys. God, the devil knows, or devil can send things like that to try to trip us up, right? Think of Joseph in the Bible. Well, some ways to overcome such situations, especially cross-culturally, you've got to maintain a connection with God through Bible study, specifically if you're having spiritual oppression. You need to keep your nutrition up. This is huge, to keep your nutrition up. You need to have a support network of godly friends and family. If you don't, pray that God will supply this because he doesn't want us to be lonely, right? It's not good that man should be alone, correct? And finally, try to stay positive and rejoice in the Lord no matter what challenges you encounter. I was talking to one of my former teachers, Mr. Jinx, and he's actually serving right now in southern Sudan. Any of you guys know anything about southern Sudan? It's one of the hardest places to serve. They're recovering from years of a civil war. And basically, he and his wife were depressed. They were depressed. They wanted to go home and get out of southern Sudan. However, they decided to get together and pray. And they asked God for an attitude of gratitude. And he gave it to them. And they are still there serving today. And they're rejoicing. I get these emails from him. It sounds like he's having an amazing time as God has changed their attitude. So, God is definitely more powerful. Let's conclude. So, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, here are the principles that we talked about today from the Lord's Prayer. So, what's principle number one, guys? God is our Father in heaven. Number two? Hallowed be God's name. Work for God's kingdom. Follow God's will. What's the next one? 
So ask God for yours and others' daily needs. Love and forgive. And finally, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. So I want to close with a story. I'm walking down a path in Malawi, and I'm heading out to a village. My destination is Mrs. Gopani. Mrs. Gopani had leprosy about 40 or 50 years ago. And I don't know if you can see, but she, her hands are nubs. Her legs are nubs. She basically lives in this little shack with a thatch roof that during the rainy season, it just gets pelted. She walks around like this, like a monkey in the dirt. She has to get her own water. She has to do her own food. She's like 70 years old, which is amazing in Africa. What a blessing. But she sleeps on the dirt floor. So when the rain comes in and you're sleeping on dirt floor, what happens? Your mud soup, right? So sad. We went out to visit her. And do you see the twinkle in her eye? Can you guys see that? She looks so happy. We brought her a Bible, and she just kept saying, my Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus. That was the best sermon I could have ever had. Here's this lady living like this, and she's saying, my Jesus, and lifting up the name of Jesus. So if she's lifting up the name of Jesus in these decrepit circumstances, do you think you and I, through God's power, could lift up the name of Jesus here? What do you think? So as we close, I just want to encourage you guys, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. The harvest literally is all around us. It's everywhere. So lift up your eyes. How many of you guys want to inculcate, practice these principles in our daily lives and serve this world for God's glory? Amen? So let's pray together as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Lord's Prayer and for the principles that we can derive from it about mission service. I just ask that you supernaturally change our hearts, God. Give us a hunger and thirst after righteousness and also a hunger and thirst to serve other people, God. Bless every single person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.